everybody, and welcome to Feeling Seen, the podcast that talks about the movies that make us feel seen. Today on the Feelings Pod, uh, I have I have Renaissance woman, I have a polymath on board. Maybe it was a formative television event for you when she played Lydia in the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. Maybe you're an Anne of Green Gables fan, like Kristen Meinzer, new friend of the pod. And maybe you've listened to her Anne Shirley radio plays. Connecting back, look at this, Anne Shirley, friend of the pod. Uh, and you might have also seen Mary-Kate Wiles' work with Shipwrecked Comedy, or maybe you caught her as Vicky in the new Fairly Odd Parents, Fairly Otter. Mary-Kate Wiles, we've teed you up. Is there anything else that people need to know before we get started discussing with you today? Oh my goodness. No, that was it. That was the best intro I've ever been given. <laughs> I Holy like cow. to respect the work. I really appreciate it. You make me sound very cool. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think some of us uh, creatives suffer from a kind of like, oh, is this really worth noting? Oh, this thing. I don't know. You know what I mean? So it's nice. It's nice to hear somebody uh, list off all your accomplishments in such an exciting way. <laughs> I have. I uh, I come from a journalism background. I was a pu- staffer at publications for a couple publications for over like about fifteen years total, and mm-hmm. I feel like it's such a it's such a practice of writers to mm-hmm. like degrade their own work. And mm-hmm. like the I if I feel like you don't see it as much anymore, but there was definitely a season on social media where I wrote a thing was how anybody mm-hmm. advertised anything they made, and it always made my mm-hmm. skin crawl. It's so de- it's so minimizing of all the work that it takes to put out something that mm-hmm. is like of quality, that is crafted, that is uh, thorough. Yeah, and I don't know what it. I don't know what it is about us as creatives that like not everybody, obviously, but there's some kind of ingrained like. You can't think what you do is cool. Uh, and I've noticed it myself. I'll, I was you know, going to ask where you sit on that spectrum. I And I feel like I generally am a person with a fair amount of self-confidence. Um, but I am not good at, like, expressing that self-confidence, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. guess. So, like, it's clearly a learned behavior where, like, internally, I feel generally, like, I can do stuff and proud mm-hmm. of the stuff that I do. Good. Um, but like, you know, when, when we used to go to parties and people would be like, what are you up to? Mm-hmm. I'm a, always like, oh, nothing. <laughs> you know? You and it's like, like, before you got to that party, you were like t- yeah. juggling 18 <laughs> plates and yeah. they're like, oh, nothing. Yeah. And I see, like, <laughs> I do. And then I go, why did I say that? Like, I actually I am doing, doing stuff. <laughs> I don't know what it is that like keeps us from wanting to like not even like gloat but just be, yeah. be okay being like oh i did a cool yeah, thing here's what i did at work today like i'm just gonna yeah. i'm just gonna talk about what i did at work today yeah exactly i i, I tend to start off on tangents because let's settle in <laughs> let's relax i love um, it but tell us what is the movie and the character that you have brought for us to discuss yes. today on the podcast well, first of all, I thought this was such an interesting. I I didn't know of the podcast before, mm-hmm. and I thought this was such an. interesting... We're looking to make new converts all the time. <laughs> yes, I love it. Yes, I think it's such an interesting premise for a podcast, and it really made me think a little bit because, like, obviously, you are often asked what your favorite movies are. Yes, Lord of the Rings, Pride and Prejudice, two thousand five. There you go, Tangled. <laughs> but. Are those movies that I like specifically related to? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not necessarily. Sure. And I think that's interesting because obviously, kind of a fun part about loving movies is like the escapism of it all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it took me a minute, and then I uh, I came uh, around to Lady Bird, Greta Gerwig's 2017 film, uh, which I actually auditioned for. Really? Yeah, for a small part. Okay, but. I was called back, and Greta was in the room. Okay. So that was cool. <laughs> um, it did not get it. did not mm-hmm, book it. Mm-hmm. Um, spoiler alert. But uh, <laughs> I went to see this movie with my mom mm-hmm. in the theater, and that was like, it was, yeah, it was such a very, like, momentous experience to see Lady Bird, a... Yeah movie about a young girl's relationship with her mother Mm -hmm. with my mother Mm -hmm. uh who i had not maybe not quite as contentious a relationship Mm -hmm. with but like certainly i think 
I think probably most daughters with mothers can relate yeah. to some amount of that relationship. Yeah, so, I think that's common. And yeah, by the end of that movie, my mom and I were just weeping. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I loved it. And I rewatched it again last night in, in preparation for this. And it, it it's such a great film. It really holds up. And it's really like, so good. it's like an hour and a half. Yeah, you're, you are. Isn't that fun? You are. You're in and out, and you're like, God, what a complete little picture I just got. I one hundred percent thought the same thing when I turned it on last night. I was like, Ooh, an hour and a half. Love it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, You're kidding me. Like, love it to is- see a movie in that length of time. <laughs> now, when you when you walked out of the theater, um, was there was there like any any kind of like dis- discourse between you and your mom where you were like, Okay, so we're both in our feelings about this or were you both just like good movie good movie <laughs> i'm sure we did talk about it i think my mom probably said something to the effect of like oh that mother is so horrible i'm glad i'm never that <laughs> and you're like listen i'm not saying you're that that but i'm not saying you're not that either can we please just talk I about this look like a rag because that makes us look like rags and you want to know the truth here's the truth some of your friends' fathers could employ your father, and they're not going to do it if it looks like his family is trash. You understand? Didn't you ever go to sleep without putting all your clothes away perfectly? Like even once? And don't you wish your mom hadn't gotten angry? My mother was an abusive alcoholic. Although, to be fair, and not to toot my own horn, Lady Bird has certainly got some issues going on, <laughs> and I think as a high schooler, I was a little more put together. Sure. Um, I certainly was not rebelling to quite the extent that uh, she is in that movie, which isn't to say that, like, I certainly had my moments of being... <laughs> I'm sure, very annoying to my mom. Um, so I think we both kind of had that experience of like, oh, well, at least we weren't that bad. But <laughs> Taking respite in that. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think it's nice to, I don't know, have like such a tangible uh, representation of the way that mothers and daughters argue. Mm-hmm. I, and again, I don't, I don't know if it's just me, but like just seeing their rapport in this movie like they so often go from like like the first scene of the movie yeah. listening to this audiobook and like both crying and like both having this experience Sobbing together. together like like a good yes. shared experience they're both in yes. the same place in this audiobook together yes and then they immediately start fighting <laughs> the only exciting thing about 2002 is that it's a palindrome Okay, fine. Well, yours is the worst life of all, so you win. Oh, so now you're mad? No, it's because just you're I being ridiculous because you have a great life. I'm sorry, I'm not perfect. No one's asking you to be perfect, just consider it. That feels so, it feels so me and my mom. Um, <laughs> and I so, yeah. I had forgotten, like, because it that the scene of it is so seared in my mind because it's so good that it, like, I had I had remembered it for some reason coming even, like, halfway into the movie Lady Bird mm-hmm. throws herself out of a moving yep. car <laughs> at the beginning of this movie it's like, so good I was like they're, they're like having their moment in the car and I was like wait this isn't the same car scene is it this has to happen later we don't meet Lady Bird with her throwing herself out of a moving vehicle and her mom <laughs> incredible, incredible and her mom just starts screaming like it is remarkable. Just the way enough. that you work, or the or the way that you don't work, you're not even worth state tuition, Christine. My name is Lady Bird. Uh, well, actually, it's not, and it's ridiculous. Call me Lady Bird, like Christine. you said you would. Just you should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College and then to jail and then back to City College and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. <laughs> Yeah, what a wonderful setup of these characters. Like, so <laughs> good. So good. It really, and like, I think, it's, I think it's one of my favorite gifts now of all time. Just the yeah. sequence of <laughs> Sir Sharon and shaking her head, throwing herself out of a car, and then her Laurie Metcalf going, what? Yeah, Laurie Metcalf just being amazing. And that truly is like, you're right, it does set. And the first thing we, the first thing we see of them is laying on a bed face to face together, just napping. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah, just like yeah. so they're so close to each other and I, I think yeah 
It had been a minute since I watched it again, and it really did feel like it captured in a... We've seen many wonderful movies about, um, you know, parent-child, mother... Like, it's a, it's a staple yeah. of time. But, like, sure. there really did feel like a rare kind of thing that this movie captured of that it... It wasn't prevailingly acrimonious, but it also mm. wasn't prevailingly saccharine. Like, it, mm -hmm. the times when Lady Bird would be, like, yelling at her mom, pleading with her mom, being a little brat to her mom, that she was mm -hmm. also, like, so ap apologetic for appearing, perhaps not appearing grateful enough. They're a working class mm -hmm. family. They don't have a lot of money. I, I mm -hmm. found a scene that really hit me this time when I was watching it is when her mom finds out because Lady Bird is, uh, is, gra is a graduating senior at, I think it's called Immaculate, it's like Immaculate Heart, a uh, Catholic school in Sacramento that her family cannot afford, but they want to give their children the best opportunities possible to get education. Her older brother, Miguel, mm -hmm. went to Berkeley. She's going to this private Catholic school. And she just wants to get out of Sacramento. She's sort of emotionally too big for Sacramento. She's too, she thinks she's too boring. She wants to be more interesting, as she says at the start. I just want to live through something. And it's like, well, this is 2002, bitch. So, like, 20 years from now, have fun <laughs> saying that again. And, um, but just, it's just this, this slice of life. A girl throughout the course of a school year in this conflict, most predominantly with her mother, and the, the love story, really, of her and her best friend, played by Beanie Feldstein. Um, but the, this yes, which line is also that, so lovely. Incredible. And, and the, the scene that mm -hmm. really got me a lot more this time is when her mom finds out she's been applying to, like, out-of-state schools that they absolutely mm -hmm. cannot afford. And it's, it's like, a pact between her and her dad, played by Tracy Letts. Like, can you help me with um, applying to these schools to get out of here? Um, but don't tell mom, please. If I don't get in, she never has to know. But, like, if I get in, we'll cross the bridge we come to it. Her secret gets kind of outed on accident. And her mom fully ices her out. And watching the scene where it's right after Lady Bird has graduated high school, she's in her gown still, and she's just begging her mom to even fight with her. Her mom is not saying a word. She is betrayed. She's furious. And when she's... Saoirse Ronan is just... They're both so incredible in that scene, but Saoirse Ronan just, like, pleading and saying, I'm sorry I wanted more. I'm so mm -hmm. sorry I wanted more. But not in a way that I feel like... When I typically feel like I see, experience a scene like this, the I'm sorry I wanted more comes with sort of like an acerbicness to it. Yeah. Look, look I'm absolutely. sorry I wanted more. Like, yeah. you know, the James Vanderbeek, I don't want your life moment. <laughs> but yeah. this is just like an so genuine. agonizingly sincere. I am yeah. so sorry that me wanting this could make you feel like you're not enough and this life wasn't enough and that I'm ungrateful. Yeah. Please. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you. I, I appreciate everything you've done for me. I'm ungrateful, and I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I wanted more. And that just Ugh. wasted me watching it it's this time. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Just you uh, describing it makes me tear up. Right? I, yeah. I think, too, so much of me relating to this movie, I was... Not exactly the same age as Lady Bird, but I was a, f a little bit behind mm -hmm. uh, her. But uh, I, too, was kind of in high school around the same time. I grew up in Arkansas. Okay. I absolutely related to the feeling of, like, get me out of here. Uh, not that I don't, like, love where I'm from, but I also knew f at that time that, like, performing was what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And there's just not of that, not a lot of that to do in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's better now, but... And I just had always lived in that place. And uh, my mom was a single mom and worked very hard. And there was a lot of like, I've worked so hard to give you all of this. And she, I wanted to go to Los Angeles. And I knew that like, that's what I wanted to do. And she told me at one point that she was not going to let me do that. And I what? cried. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, you can see what happened. It all worked out. <laughs> and I got my way. <laughs> and, and I got my way. Well, and, and and I, but, it's in you know Lady Bird ending up in New York, yeah. and it that even that moment where she gets what she wants essentially, and yeah. she's had the very um, emotionally empty and yet loaded farewell with her mother at the airport, where her mother refuses to come into the airport, yeah. and you know so she's in New York, she's brought all her things, she's in the city of her dreams, and we see we we see her at a party, and just starts talking to some guy because she's just trying to meet anybody. And mm -hmm. she immediately asks him if he believes in God. And he's like, 
no. And she's, well, why? And he says, it's stupid. And there's like a a sense of resentment in her sort of reflexively Mm -hmm. where she's like, people will believe in like all kinds of like ridiculous things, but like, but but they won't believe in God. Like she's not necessarily religious herself, but she comes from this like Catholic school upbringing where you see her suddenly, like her roots sort of immediately take hold in her. And he asks her, because she's been insisting the entire movie that she's Lady Bird and, you know, the incredible exchange in the audition for the school play back in high school is that, you know, is Lady, is that your given name? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. I gave it to myself. Give it to me, by me. Yeah, given to me, <laughs> by me. Yes, it is my given name. And, but when when asked, like, oh, what's your name? There's, like, a beat pause, and she says, Christine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she asks where she's from. He in, initially doesn't hear Sacramento, so she changes it to San Francisco. But, like, mm-hmm. there's this immediate sense of being drawn back to home because she's suddenly so far from it. And then, of course, yeah. we end with the call to her mother. And with that, you know, adorable question, she was like, did you get emotional the first time you drove through Sacramento? And I was like, oh, my God. I know it's, it's making me cry just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you feel emotional the first time that you drove in Sacramento? I did, and I wanted to tell you, but we weren't really talking when it happened. All those bends I've known my whole life, and stores, and the whole thing. Ugh. It's so good. It just so perfectly encapsulates, yeah, just so much, at least that I felt Mm -hmm. about being a young person growing up in a place that I, like, didn't really appreciate Mm -hmm. and didn't really want to be in. And And how do you feel about that place now, like, with the distance from it? Ugh, well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like, you don't have to have the, like, romantic drive back through town in your mind, but, like, what was your evolving relationship with it as you came out and got to L.A. and did, and are doing LA so much of how I feel about it now is peppered by politics oh which god is, yeah you know unfortunate yeah um yeah. that said Fayetteville Arkansas is where I'm from and it's a pretty fun liberal hotspot okay. of Arkansas which is obviously a conservative state um Fayetteville is trying its best to be like a little Portland or a little Austin it's like very fun uh, and okay one of those kind of yeah 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 and it's it's been that way ever since I've lived there like oh, it's great. always been that way um so it itself is great and I every time I have gone back I'm like if I had different ambitions in life I could see myself living here Mm -hmm. like if yeah if I didn't want to be doing what I'm doing which I can not make a living doing in Arkansas (laughs) um you know then maybe I would live here um but yeah I do think I I look back on it quite fondly I I I now have the added association of Arkansas with like a lot of political beliefs that I don't align with yeah Um, (laughs) so that's I guess, unfortunate that it's tainted by that. But uh, as a place, it is a nice place. Well, and so I think I was uh, that really like that really kind of started resonating with me when I was watching it is just those beloved like it's one of my favorite parts of high school movies is when you see the way people render the types of high Mm -hmm. school kids Mm -hmm. and sort of each individual (laughs) filmmaker, writer, directors and like projection of of what those archetypes are and I wondered how you felt with like the sort of surrounding cast of characters around Lady Bird in her high school oh compared to like your high school experience like the Kyle that like brooding Timothy Chalamet character <gasps> Danny the closeted theater right. gay and in the, the 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 pretty popular girl who's oh, just yeah. like no I want to send my daughters to the high school I love it here uh-huh Uh And who just, like, they are truly, like, content and pleased to be where they are. Sure. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I was in theater, Mm -hmm. again, in high school. So, like, the the, uh, similarities keep coming. And I, (laughs) I, uh, (laughs) not in high school, but in college, I dated a guy that reminds me so much of Timothy Chalamet's character. So, again. Every woman who dates men has at least one. They, I, I has, feel like it's, it's, the, been there. it's the rule of the universe. And I was like, oh, he's so cool and counterculture and smart. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, relate to that. Um, I don't think I ever, like, had this moment of, like Lady Bird does, like, trying to 
fit in with the cool kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I did to an extent. Like, I don't know. I think I was well-liked in high school. My friends and I were pretty Jesus-y, and we oh, okay. were... I grew up in a very, very Christian town. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, me too. And But, like, my best friends from high school and I are all still very good friends. And, like, we had our own little group, and, like, we didn't really care what anybody thought about us. Mm-hmm. And, like, we went to church and like youth group and also like watched lord of the rings and dressed up as hobbits for like to school so like <laughs> my we my best friend in high weird. school was the most devout person i know uh-huh. and still probably is and uh she's a licensed pastor now so is her husband oh, nice. and um and she too favorite i think favorite movie ever lord of the rings oh the amount of yeah. times i spent watching the amount of hours i spent watching lord of the rings with christians <laughs> Incredible. We love it. You Christians love it. Love, it. <laughs> <laughs> love us some Tolkien. I actually wrote my college entrance essay about Tolkien and how much I love him. So <laughs> Well, it's clear it's clear why I like you. There's a lot of common ground between you and people I've been very close to in my life. That's really fun. <laughs> um but anyway, uh to get back to yes, I just think they I think Greta Gerwig did such a great job of like capturing all these various sort of high school personalities and and um yeah I definitely it just it just felt like yeah it felt like a very authentic high school early 2000s high school experience now a question I have for you is in you know Mm -hmm. going back to since now since we've teed up the high school experience here Mm -hmm. what who what was the sort of uh what was when you were in high school what was the sort of prevailing cultural cachet like in my I I feel very lucky when I went to high school my high school was really into the performing arts when I was there so the the very popular kids were uh theater and choir kids interesting that was sort of like the so what was yeah okay what was sort of like the hierarchical (laughs) status where you um I mean, it was, we were a pretty big sports school. Okay. However, we were also, I don't know, we had a little bit of everything, I guess. We were also a pretty big, smarty, tardy school. Okay. We were like first in the state for AP scores. Mm-hmm. I was like co president of the National Honor Society. Hey. Yeah. So, like, I took a lot of pride in like being, a, you know, a bookish kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was an, a certain amount of cachet, I feel like, that came with that because a lot of the popular kids were also like, doing pretty well in school Mm -hmm. that said yeah i don't think choir and theater were cool i always had like this (laughs) not so secret dream of being homecoming queen because Ah. for some reason at my school even though i think that's typically thought of as like a super popular like cheerleader sort of deal Mm -hmm. um there was like a tradition of of kind of crowning somebody that was just generally well known and like well liked as a good person as the homecoming queen as like oh right as opposed to like sort of like a miscongeniality sort of yeah yeah okay yes as opposed to like whoever was the most popular yeah and my friends and i i have four my my group of high school friends there were five of us uh I think we were all on the ballot. And I was like, yes, this is my moment. Like, I wanted this so bad. For some reason, like, who cares? Um, Hey, it's a fun idea. But then uh, my senior year, it was a cheerleader. It was uh, (laughs) Natalie Beach, and I was so bummed. I was so sad. (laughs) It's time for us to take a quick break, but we'll talk more Mary-Kate Wiles in a minute. And then later, I will have one quick thing before I go about... My recent little trip to Comic-Con, where I got to talk to a bunch of incredible filmmakers about being the bold voices of contemporary horror. So stick around for a little SDCC chat at the end. Hi, it's me, Dave Hill, from before, here to tell you about my brand new show on Maximum Fun, the Dave Hill Good Time Hour, which combines my old Maximum Fun show, Dave Hill's podcasting incident, with my old radio show, The Goddamn Dave Hill Show, into one new futuristic program from the future. If you like delightful conversation with incredible guests, technical difficulties, and actual phone calls from real-life listeners, you've just hit a street called easy. I'm also joined by my incredible co-host, the boy criminal Chris Gersbeck. Say hi, Chris. Hey, Dave. It's really great That's to... That's enough, Chris. And New Jersey chicken rancher, Des. Say hi, Des. Hey, Dave. The Dave Hill Good Time Hour. Brand new episodes every Friday on Maximum Fun. Plus, the show's not even an hour. It's 90 minutes. Take that, stupid rules. We nailed it. 
Hi, my name is Graham Clark, and I'm one half of the podcast Stop Podcasting Yourself, a show that we've recorded for many, many years. And uh, at the moment, instead of being in person, we're recording remotely, and uh, you wouldn't even notice. You don't even notice the lag. That's right, Graham. And uh, the great thing about uh, this... Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. And okay, go ahead. And you can listen to us uh, every week on MaximumFun.org. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Your podcasts. Welcome back to Feeling Seen. I'm joined by Mary-Kate Wiles. We are talking about Lady Bird, a coming-of-age story about a high school senior and Greta Gerwig's debut as a solo director. Let us get back into it. Now, I, I talking about Lady Bird, we have to discuss the French, the central friendship of the story. Um, Julie and Lady Bird... Tell they're me so about great. tell me about the resonance of the friendship love story. Oh, they're so great. And this was the first time I and I think most people had seen Beanie and what a joy she is. What a she's joy. Just, she's just wonderful. I just love watching her. And yes, I love I love their friendship and I love the little journey that it goes on and and ultimately how Lady Bird like and I think that's what's so nice about this movie is that Lady Bird does some really stupid stuff. Yes. And she and she figures it out and she realizes it and then she you know, kind of apologizes and yeah, it's great. I, I am thankful for the female friendships that I had in high school because unlike Lady Bird Nobody was trying to date me in high school. So. <laughs> yeah, there, this is one of those suspension of disbelief situations in a movie yeah. where Saoirse yeah, yeah, Ronan yeah. is telling you that, like, no one's interested yeah. in her. And you're like, okay, yeah. Saoirse Ronan. Cool. Yeah. The boys were not knocking down my door. Although, <laughs> that said, one of the first guy actually, is he my first kiss? Yeah. Uh, yeah, one of my, my first kiss, who I went to high school with, is absolutely gay so you know <laughs> can relate there as well yep yep i asked if there was a danny or a kyle in your life so it appears there was a danny yeah and um i guess there was <laughs> a, a grand theater community tradition mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. i so did you have like obviously like there's one of you know this movie is so amazing with the moments the how many moments it gives you like oh mm-hmm. what a moment and one of those what a moments mm-hmm. is when it's Jules and Lady Bird laying back in the car listening to Crash, Crash. by Dave Matthews <laughs> yeah. band did you what were like did you have any rituals that were like those crash um, things that's really cute uh okay here we go we're getting into it yeah so- we're getting into it <laughs> Uh, I said I was Jesus-y. I only strictly listened to contemporary Christian punk rock, baby. That was the heyday. That was the (laughs) really of crossover Christian rock. The amount of times I listened to Switchfoot (laughs) and had no fucking idea what their real (laughs) deal was in high school. Yeah, it's man. So true. It's so true. I was a gigantic Reliant K fan. I was going to say Reliant K. That was Sadie Hawkins yeah. dance, right? Hell yeah. Honestly, <laughs> they're great. Still they hold up. They're so good. Yeah. I have made friends with them is how much <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Wow. Um, the guitarist John Schneck is like one of my buddies. That's how into them I was. I would go see them all the time. Wow. <clears throat> but yeah, I made... <laughs> incredible i I made in high school my four best friends uh come with me to springfield missouri which was like a few hours away to go to their concert Mm -hmm. and they all obliged and i like made us t-shirts with their faces on it i was like into it i feel like i was kind of i guess the the one in the group that was doing that that was like (laughs) we're gonna go do this crazy thing i want to do this and you guys are coming with me or like I want to dress as a hobbit for Halloween to school. You guys are also doing this. And <laughs> yeah. they were just like, all right. Yeah. So uh, you were the I'm activity lucky. friend. Yeah. I'm lucky that I had friends that were kind enough to humor me in all of my uh, desires. It really like, I mean, uh, Christian kids, not before nor since has Christian yeah, rock no. known how to get into the zeitgeist. Jeremy Camp could never. 
I, f- I like don't even know what it is now. I feel like <laughs> that right, like that time was such a specific time of like great Christian music. <laughs> And of course, it was always like, like with Sixpence None the Richer, oh. Kiss Me, an amazing song. And then, of course, the whole Christian community was like, well, this is a song about kissing. Like, uh oh. Are they, are they really, a, can they be a Christian band? And it's like, oh my God, <laughs> calm down, everybody. <laughs> so ridiculous. Oh my God, I'm so, this is, we're just, we're going to live in this kind of topic because <laughs> while I'm watching this and it's 2002 there, I graduated high school 2003. It sounds like you're circa that general time period. Circa tell that me, time. Tell yes. me about your experience because we're, we're going through the great 2000s reappraisal right now as millennials uh-huh. are the new are. historians. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh God. <laughs> you, right? <laughs> we made it out alive somehow. How, like, looking back on the 2000s, what do you think of that time as, like, shit, I was a, I was in my formative years then? Well, I, I totally agree with you. But again, I feel like I had such a weird sheltered experience okay. because I was just in my own little circle listening to Reliant K. And uh, I mean, even as like a younger child, I only was allowed to watch PBS. Like I didn't oh, watch Nickelodeon. Okay. Um, yeah, it was like PBS and Disney movies and that was it. So... I mean, and could talk for a while about, like, then eventually coming to Los Angeles for college and being like, oh, the world, um, because I just, yeah, was kind of in a bubble, I feel like, yeah. growing up in Arkansas. I mean, we would go to school dances, yeah. and I would dance to NSYNC, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, Yes. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, some of the bigger cultural aspects, I feel like, were kind of went over my head. Now, so then you, if you, you know, coming out, you, college, that was, you, you, mm-hmm. you went to college out here in yeah, LA. Yeah, I went to USC, yeah. So, fight on. And yeah, fight on. <laughs> I went to University of Oregon. I am a rare uh, USC, surrogate USC fan. I feel like there's like I love that. five of us. Yeah, I really and, appreciate that. Uh, I feel like most people hate us, so <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but I, so what then was kind of, what then was kind of your ladybird experience of, of exiting sure. this, this bubble? <laughs> And kind of like, even if, you know, maybe it's not something you felt or maybe it's something you enumerated, but the idea of like, I just want to live through something like you leave Arkansas and suddenly you're like in this place where there's so much to live through all around you. What was that exit out of the bubble like? Yeah, that's a great question. And I feel like there's not like necessarily one specific moment. I feel like I got really lucky in like the friends that I found. Mm. Again, I was doing theater at USC and I feel like... Even though I look, I look back on myself as like a freshman at USC, mm-hmm. and I'm like cringing because <laughs> I, because I was like so. I just, I just was like, you know, a little more outward with my Jesus talk than I probably oh, would okay. have. So you, yeah, been. you really carried that with you into yeah. like that. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but yeah, it was such a new experience to to meet people from all over the country. I mean, like. I barely knew anybody who was Jewish in Arkansas. You know what I mean? There was and like, one I, Jewish student in yeah. Canby High School. Yeah, And exactly. she was the only reason any of us knew what a bat mitzvah was. Yeah, exactly. One. Like, it's very, very similar. Like, I had no idea. And so, obviously, it was going to school with a ton of Jewish people then at USC and, like, people of all different, like, races and religions mm-hmm. that I had never met before. Never. And so, it was just such a... I mean, I'm very thankful, but, like... As opposed to just, like, moving to L.A. and not sort of having this four-year incubation period mm-hmm. to, like, figure out who I was and what was going on. It was it was great. Um, I do remember the first time I said fuck, which, <laughs> <laughs> which was on the final day of my freshman year. Wow, was, what a cat. Yeah, I know. Are you proud of me that I made it so far in life without saying that? <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Um, because my parents truly view cursing as, like, the worst of all. I think I got into a fight with my mother once. <laughs> I hope she doesn't listen to this. Over <laughs> whether it was worse to say fuck or to murder someone. So <laughs> that was a, that was that rose to the level of debate. Yes. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So anyway, there's a little more insight into yeah. uh, my relationship with my mom. Um, but uh, yes. So. 
it was like the the very last day of freshman year and I had packed up all my stuff and like was ready to like fly away and then I look under the bed and I had left like a box of something under the bed and yeah. I went oh fuck and I was like oh I've done it that has been <laughs> building up inside you that entire year yeah it you really mean, you, it, it was just it was only waiting for space and opportunity <laughs> to come tumbling out of your mouth yeah wow. so you know that was my slow and gradual descent into uh whatever and then I did uh study abroad my junior year in London Mm. and got my heart so absolutely broken (laughs) yeah and that was a little more of my I guess like that sort of like Mm -hmm. I went a little cuckoo because I was so sad and and, in a different (laughs) different place and was making bad decisions you're two years out of saying fuck at this point anything could have been possible You could have killed someone. (laughs) Honestly, might as well have. I don't think I did. I don't (laughs) think I did. Um, But anyway, yeah, that's so. I feel like I feel like maybe a lot of people go through this sort of in high school. I was a little bit of a late bloomer in terms of like I didn't really have my rebellious like Mm -hmm. whatever. I'm out on my own phase until later in college. Um, But yeah, I did it and I got it out of my system. So there you go. (laughs) Well, okay, then from a from a from a professional's standpoint, mm-hmm. tell me about like because I I was so I got to do a Q and A um, with Greta Gerwig for uh, oh. I moderated a Q and A for Little Women, and it was uh-huh. her and it was Amy Pascal and it was <coughs> Alexandra Desplat and oh, uh, her so cool. her set deck and I think her art director were there, and it was. I was I had gone to see a Q&A the night before that she did for the movie or the week before she did for the movie because it was all the A-listers. I was not moderating that one, but it was all the it was all the heavy hitters were up on that stage. Mm-hmm. And I was so taken aback in both conversations by Greta Gerwig has a very specific way of conveying herself and talking like it was it was like listening to her talk it was like she would be kind of all over the map but then she would coalesce down into one of the most like cogent and gorgeous like intellectual arguments I'd ever heard and Mm. I was like you are a fucking wizard like Mm. I am just eating out of the palm of your hand and in no way have you like brought me to submission with your Mm. idea you have you have charmed me and dazzled me with your wit and intellect and I was so and I just I wanted to hear from you as as an actor as a creator, mm. sort of like like how mm-hmm. does this person sort of sit in where mm-hmm. you intake things? I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm trying to get at, and I'm hoping like we can guide each other to a point here. Yeah, I mean I love her, and I haven't like I'm not uh, I'm not like a Greta Gerwig scholar. I haven't. Yeah, like, really I'm I'm not gone. like a stan. Like I sure. like I I like Frances Ha. I I, I yeah. like like I like the work she does. But I yeah. was just like, sort of as a complete figure, I'm very, very in awe of her. I haven't listened to a ton of interviews with her mm-hmm. or anything. I was very excited to get to meet her when I auditioned for Lady Bird. Yeah. And I will never forget it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the face that she made when I did what I was doing. She just, her jaw sort of dropped and she went, <laughs> oh, I don't know if that's like good or bad. Um <laughs> But I absolutely, I mean, obviously, I, I rewatching this movie, I'm like, I think this movie is in like my top 10 favorite films. Like, mm. I, I really appreciate what she has done as a filmmaker. And, uh, and I like Frances Ha. I had seen it with my mom before. My mom loved Frances Ha, which I think mm-hmm. is part of why she like wanted to go see Lady Bird together. Ah. Um, and, uh, and we saw little women together. So, <laughs> you guys were on <laughs> you a streak. Know. Yeah, we are. And, as a person who creates a lot of um, historically and literary inspired stuff, yeah. I really appreciate. Yeah, I appreciate that she did Little Women, and mm-hmm. um, and I enjoy that she like I love that she is clearly like taking the time to make these stories about women mm-hmm. and create these these great films that mm-hmm. are about women and their relationships to each other and. I mean, I'm always going to be all for that because I feel that, feel <laughs> the like, need for same. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel the need for that pretty strongly. Yeah. In terms of like, I, you mentioned the Anne of Green Gables podcast I've done. I didn't really even set out to like <clears throat> make this project that's sort of so focused on uh, women and like their relationships. But as I was doing it, I was like, gosh, this, these books are so incredible for this reason, mm-hmm. written by a woman um, and 
generally mainly just about like a girl growing up in her relationships to the the women around her mm-hmm. and like and it, i guess it's once you like realize that then you start to think like oh my gosh how how rare this is in mm-hmm. like classic literature mm-hmm. and and also just like movies and stuff in general mm-hmm. you know and even now so i really appreciate that like that is sort of what she has put you know mm-hmm. in these last few movies at the forefront of the work that she does and i, I think it's great i think she's a great filmmaker <laughs> oh my god and you ate all the cheese food, okay blocked with cheese very inside that one was small. It was so small. It was tiny. What, what were we to do? Fuck it. Let's just go to prom. Doesn't your mom have a dress? Let's be honest. I've had a dress for months. Happy. <laughs> it's purple. It is. You're really gonna like it. I love you. I love you okay. more. Dress time. We really and, and I feel like we we really grew up in a heyday of the teen movie. And mm-hmm. um and, and you say this is like this is this is could be a top ten movie for you of all time. What is yeah. it that this does uniquely that sets it mm. apart when we have been inundated with so many coming of age, so many teen stories and sure and, and inundated in the best way. Never stop giving me these stories. Um, but what do you so what was it do you think that sort of like carves this one's own path and, and puts it in that like kind of top ten category for you? Yeah, that's a great question. And I don't know that I can really answer it. I Fair. think it just all the all the things that we've talked about of just like how cra- how well crafted it is in terms of showing like these moments in Ladybird's relationships to those around her that mm-hmm. feel so perfectly just summed up for me. That like they automatically just thinking about them like really you know, makes me emotional. I think it just is. I I certainly, as an actor and as a person who is very in touch with her emotions, I I love a movie based on what it makes me feel. Mm -hmm. I realize that, like, you can judge a movie on a lot of other things, on whether it's technically sound or whatever. Um, And I'm sure there are many movies that are, you know, considered great movies because of how they are made and like but a movie that I love is going to be a movie that affects me um and yeah Lady Bird just from start to finish it just really gets me it's just so so lovely and sweet and sad and relatable and with in with your you know with your own work what sort of you know with where you're at right now wherever that may be um, what is it that in an, in an ideal, like I'm making, I'm making, you know, the gloves are off. I have permission to do whatever I want and I'm going to be able to make oh it. Boy. I have the money. Like what is, what is the feeling that you would seek to affect at this Ooh. point with where you are as a creator? Oh, that's that you would be interesting. Like, this would be, if I could draw this Question. out of people, that would make me so happy. I think I, I have a unending need for adventure Mm. and i think that's part of what i love so much about the lord of the rings is the vastness of it Mm. and the uh like i want to go places Mm. i want to try everything i want to see everything like there's so much in this world to do and to see um and to create Mm -hmm. and like that's what gets me excited and the as a creator, I don't necessarily come up with the ideas myself. Mm. Um, I don't, I genuinely don't feel like I'm a writer. I don't feel like I'm somebody that comes up with like ideas. Uh, I think it's such a different skill, obviously, Mm -hmm. than acting. And I think people who are great at it are amazing. Uh, My fiance, who is also my partner in Shipwrecked, he Mm. writes. um, And I love the stories that he comes up with. Also with his sister, they are writing partners. because they are vast like they are really exciting mm-hmm. they are really cool and i think that is such a source of frustration for us because we up are at, up till now hopefully eventually we'll have bigger budgets to play with right. we've always yeah. been we've always been self-funded and yeah. uh you know uh crowdfunding and like there's only so much you can do with a smaller budget but like i truly hope right. middle to make... middle earth is a, is a little harder to capture with that <laughs> but like exactly. much can be done but like it's a scale thing. exactly um, but that said, like, like we just watched Severance and oh my God, it yeah. blew my mind. Like, not necessarily that you have to like have a huge epic sort of world to like go 
on an adventure. But mm-hmm. like there's something about a specific type of world building that is so interesting and so exciting. And I think that's part of what draws me to the stuff that Sean and Sinead write. Mm-hmm. And like I want to make that those worlds come to life because like they awaken that sense of adventure in me. Mm-hmm. And I hope that they also can do that for for other people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Well, I, you know, as as Lady Bird hopes to live through something and experience something, <laughs> I wish for you to to live through that and experience that. Thanks. Um, and just thank you so much for your time today, Mary Kate Wiles. This I was, really appreciate you coming on the show. This was such a pleasure. Thanks for <laughs> hanging with me and talking early two thousands high school experiences. I yeah. like. I have a whole goddamn podcast about the, that. <laughs> so like, I will. I will infiltrate. Any, I will Trojan horse into any conversation to be like, so the millennium era. Amazing. Um, I love let's it. talk anthropology. <laughs> um, yes. Thank you for your time. Thank you for joining Thank you. us. I, it's been great to have you on. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Thank you to Mary Kate Wiles. You can see Mary Kate's Vicky in Fairly Odd Parents, Fairly Otter, streaming in its entirety on Paramount Plus, and coming soon is Headless, a Sleepy Hollow-inspired miniseries from Shipwrecked. And I don't know if you know this, but we always put links to our guests' social media accounts in our show notes. So if you want to find out what Mary-Kate is up to next, and as you should have gleaned by now, that could be so many things and anything, you should take a look at that. So she's a good person to keep track of. And now I have one quick thing before I go, which, uh, fun, is like about me, sort of. And uh, my recent trip down, a wonderful finally to return to Comic-Con. Obviously, it was scuttled in person for a few years. Uh, That it's back now, we're still in a plague hot zone. It's a fairly terrifying proposition. But I've always loved Comic-Con. I was lucky enough to get to cover it when I worked at Wired, when I worked at Vulture. Uh, It had been a number of years since I had been able to be there in person. I didn't know when I would get to go in person again, uh, even pandemic notwithstanding. So it was wonderful to be back down in San Diego uh, on the con floor. Uh, And this time I got to moderate the Bold Voices in Contemporary Horror panel. And it was sincerely just a phenomenal lineup of people. Uh, Sam Weinman, friend of the show, filmmaker and friend of the show, was part of the panel. Akela Cooper, screenwriter of Malignant and other Warner Brothers horror properties. Uh, in addition to many more things, she is out here being prolific. Robin Jones, a head of TV development at Blumhouse. Chloe Okuno, Chloe Okuno, watcher, filmmaker. Uh, and Helena, um, gosh, I'm going to get her name wrong because I tried to say it to her and she was just like, just call me Halina. Just call me Halina. So you know what? I'm just going to call her Halina by her own request. The director of Bodies, 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 a movie that you guys should know by now that I love. Um, It was a real murderer's row. Like it was phenomenal to be standing up there talking about bold voices in contemporary horror with a handful of people who are sincerely making some of my favorite things that I have witnessed recently in the genre and it was great to hear a group of people affirm the conversations that I have with my my friends filmmaking and otherwise um off mic offline just in our our private personal conversations about wanting to leave this industry better than 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 we found it and you know how what are the ways that we can bring horror um, to a f- place of further progress, of, of further intersectional interest, um, while also, like, figuring out the ways to reincorporate elements of, you know, the sort of most fun, salacious aspects of genre, pulp movies, B-movies, exploitation movies, um, things that classically ride the line between decency and indecency, uh, not just in their content, but perhaps in the way they were made too. Like how do we take the how do we take the elements of horror of yore, sort of that that fun cruelty, um, that subversiveness, that transgressiveness that can at times feel a bit scarce because we are figuring out how to reconcile the language 
and the conscientiousness of the present with the fact of horror as a genre that is meant to press, that is meant to provoke. How do we, how do we truly subvert and how do we truly provoke thought without simply being shock for the sake of shock? You know, like it's easy to sit there and, and be like, hey, Rob Zombie is a lot of people's thing and not necessarily mine. I don't hold anything against the guy. But like, you know, there's at a certain point, the three from hell, house of a thousand corpses uh, aesthetic. It's like, are we really pushing an envelope here? Or are we just like throwing gore at you to an extent that it becomes kind of obscene and being like, isn't that boundary pushing? It's like, not really. It's just kind of, it's just kind of startling me. It's just kind of making me upset. And that's great too. That is valid and has its place. But what are the ways that we can truly shock people with the points of view through which we tell stories of horror in ways and from people that have not been previously allowed to access filmmaking at a blockbuster level consistently. You know, there are the token exceptions from any demographic that get to break through and have their moment and then studios race to fill in people uh, who look like them or live like them and be like, ah, now you have been minted as a successor to do exactly what the pioneer before you just did. It's like Jordan Peele coming out with Get Out and then studios looking for their own Get Out. And it's like, why are you looking for the next Get Out? Look for the first nanny. You know, look for look for the first of its kind of something instead of trying to chase around the carbon copy of a carbon copy of something that has already come to the fore and changed the world. Have the respect for that filmmaker to know that they are one of one and then have the respect for filmmakers around them and who are coming after them to know that they too are unique and they too have the potential to change the world if you just let them be honest and creative. So yeah, it was it was a it was a panel that really emphasized um honesty and storytelling um and that being the most groundbreaking thing you can bring with you as an artist. You know, how can you satisfy your mission to yourself and your art? You know, most of the time, even if it's really hard, you tell the truth. What is the most daring thing you can do? Tell the truth. What is the most daring thing you can be? Be honest. Um, And that was really, anytime I get to hear filmmakers talk like that, it's just really enlivening. And the crowd in the room was great because Comic-Con crowds are there to have fun. And that is the fucking best. It was great. And I hope that I can continue to have those kinds of conversations with some of those same people on this very podcast. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, Chloe Okuno is welcome back at any time. Akela Cooper, I'm sure you're listening out there. Please do join us on the pod. Uh, but yeah, that's my one quick thing before I go. My my day of exhilarating, uh, inspiring conversation with genre filmmakers uh, just, just behind me in the rear view. I hope you too are feeling inspired and enlivened just like I am. Uh, and that... Let's go out on that note. That is our show. You can follow us on Twitter at Feeling Scene Pod, or you can send us an email at feelingscene at maximumfun.org. If you want to follow me, I'm George Crew on Twitter. Our theme music is by Andrew Eben. The show is produced by Marissa Flaxbart. Our senior producers are Kevin Ferguson and Laura Swisher, and this is a production of Maximum Fun. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.